Welcome to First in Maine, your avenue to living well. I'm Debs here with my amazing co-host Lauren to meet you in the busyness of your everyday life, to pass along some of the insights and wisdom we've gained over the years. Don't try to figure out life alone. We want to connect you to some of the incredible, well-rounded people in our world. They're life coaches, counselors, pastors, physicians, just amazing people who can help you along the way. Each episode, we'll be sharing sharing personal stories, practical help, and timeless principles to help you live at your best. So lean in and let's tackle life together. Hey guys, thanks for listening in today. I cannot believe that we are already nearing the end of the year. Can you believe it? It seems like just yesterday it was January, and Zebs and I were beginning this whole podcast adventure. The months have just flown right on by. Speaking of time flying by, it has been a few months since Debs was diagnosed with COVID, and y'all, she is still recovering. She's actually doing really good, but her voice still isn't all the way back, so we are praying for that to return quickly so that she can be back with us soon. In the meantime, we have another special guest joining us in just a little bit to talk with us about an area of our lives that can bring us tremendous joy and support or bring us harm, loss, and sorrow. What I'm referring to is the relational area of our lives. So far, we've talked about the spiritual dimension and the physical dimension of our lives and how disciplines in these areas affect our overall well-being. So today, we're talking about the relational dimension of our lives and disciplines that can help us in this area because the quantity and quality of our relationships really do affect our well-being. The fact is, we need to belong. We all need healthy and supportive and nurturing relationships and genuine connection with the people around us. So I want you to be thinking about the relationships and connections you have personally and professionally in how you interact with others, be it romantic relationships or work relationships or family relationships, maybe friendships and just casual acquaintances. I mean, they all matter and they all take work. Here's a few questions to think about before we dive in deeper today. Do you have supportive friends and family? I'm talking about people that will be there for you, pray for you, help and love you, even when you might not be very lovable. (laughs) We have all been there. Also, who do you trust with your most intimate thoughts and fears? Now, answer honestly, who all do you have meaningful and fulfilling relationships with? Who do you hang out with and share life experiences with? Who do you ask for advice on major decisions? Who can you ask to help you out if you're in a pinch? Now, think about this. Are you able to communicate clearly when dealing with conflict? Are you connected to a social community or a faith community? And if yes, are you contributing to the communities that you're involved in? Okay, so let's just go ahead and just dive in. I've asked Teresa Vaughn to join us today. Teresa has been helping people with relational dimension of their lives for over 40 years. No exaggeration, guys. She is really an expert in this area. She currently is the director of Influencers Counseling, Care, and Coaching, and also trains ministers and counselors in pastoral care and trauma recovery. 
Teresa, I really appreciate you joining us today, and I can't wait for everyone to hear your insight on this topic. Thank you, Lauren, for inviting me. You know, it's such an honor to be back on this corner, and this is such an important topic, as of all the First and Main podcasts. But, I, you know, I love the descriptive words you use, Lauren, when you describe the kind of relationships we all need and are seeking after. Healthy, supportive, nurturing, genuine connections. Yes. So before we get started today, I wanted to ask you, what led you to want to help people in this area of their lives? You know, the quick answer is I love helping people reach their gut potential. But that's just a genuine part of my story that began over 50 years ago when I looked for a Christian counselor for a loved one. I knew she needed someone who would listen, not judge, or give pat, psychological, or even Sunday school answers, but rather someone who would understand life's struggles with our often traumatic past and our current dilemmas. You know, Lauren, I couldn't find anyone at that time, so I told the Lord if he'd direct me to the how, I'd say, here am I. Send me, as Isaiah said. So today, I'm humbly honored to be his instrument to give hope to hopeless people, to encourage brokenhearted people, to set captives free, and to truly see people not only experiencing God's fullness for their own lives, but even more importantly, paying it forward by helping others do the same. You know, Isaiah 61 is my life calling chapter. I love that. That is awesome. Teresa, before we get started and talk about some of the beneficial, meaningful relationships in our lives, I thought we could talk about loneliness for a moment. It has become a real issue these days. In fact, a 2018 Cigna study determined that 54% of Americans say they always or sometimes feel that no one knows them well. And in 2020, another study found that more than one-third of adults, 45 or older, feel lonely. And this was pre-COVID. So, I mean, I can only imagine what the numbers are now. And then, get this, Generation Z which is the ages of 18 to 22-year-olds, recorded the highest scores for loneliness of any other generation. And that's really high. It is. It is. It's it's really uh, thought-provoking and concerning. And, you know, post-COVID, a May 20, 2021 study by American Perspectives determined that 68% of Americans said that the previous 12 months had been more difficult than any other time in their lives and that they had fewer close relationships and relied less on their friends for personal support, all contributing to more loneliness. Certainly, this is affecting our young people, as you said, and less than half of the 17 to 25-year-olds surveyed said they felt loved. But loneliness is also a major concern for people over 50. There's been a 49% increase in people in this age bracket who reported intense loneliness. Half a million people said they often don't see or speak to anyone for five or six days a week. And two-fifths of all older older people said TV is their main company. Loneliness has been defined, you know, as being sad, unhappy, or depressed about being socially isolated. It's a normal feeling we all experience now and then, but it becomes very problematic when it lasts a while or even becomes continuous. Then it can be all-consuming and even interfere with our daily lives, as we've looked at these statistics. People of all stages, socioeconomic status, ethnicity, and culture are all affected by loneliness. 
But certain populations, the widowed, those with poor health, or those with long-term disabilities, are significantly more likely to experience debilitating loneliness. Loneliness can be overwhelming, Lauren, especially when we feel isolated no matter where we are or who's around. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, we know that the lack of socialization due to social distancing with COVID has created a lot of psychological challenges for people, but it can also negatively affect people's health. There are lots of studies that show how poor health increases sicknesses and diseases. In fact, poor social health is known to cause a variety of health issues, such as inflammation or heart disease, high blood pressure, suppressed immune systems, um, chronic health conditions, and even mental health issues. I just recently found out, Teresa, that isolation or loneliness caused by a poor supportive network doubles a person's risk of health. In fact, research shows us that loneliness can be more dangerous than smoking. I was shocked. Absolutely, Lauren. Loneliness or social isolation definitely puts us at much higher risk for early death, but it also puts us at greater risk of dementia and cognitive decline. It increases our risk of high blood pressure and is more dangerous than obesity. Suppressing our immune system, one of the main health hazards of social isolation, as you said, and loneliness is particularly harmful. We become at high risk for many ailments then that our body may have been able to fight off were we not so sad or unhappy. And in the area of mental health, it's a bit of a catch-22, meaning loneliness increases mental health issues, and mental health issues often contribute to the feeling of loneliness. Both sides increase our likelihood of socially isolating or feeling isolated even when we're with other people. Loneliness or social isolation is also a major contributor to substance abuse disorders and other addictions. Depression, anxiety, even suicidality are often the trademarks of loneliness. Wow, that is a catch-22. So guys, this is an important topic. When the relational area of our life is healthy, it is very beneficial. For instance, we will not only perform better under stress, but we'll be less stressed in general, more confident, more energetic, and way more resilient. So today, Teresa and I want to help you evaluate this area of your life, help you see how good relational well-being actually leads to improvement in all areas of your life, and then give you some practical tips for building great relationships. And if loneliness is something you're struggling with, you are not alone. That is so true. You know, as you're listening today, you may be thinking, I need help in this area. Or even, I just need to talk to someone to see if I need help. Talking to a pastor, a mentor, or a counselor can be very beneficial. When we feel socially isolated, we often have a million thoughts running through our heads, many of them negative. Thoughts like, no one cares about me. I'll never have any friends. No one would want to really know me. I'm hopeless and it will never get any better. When we have thoughts like these or any others that depress or upset us, talking to someone else, saying them out loud to someone, can help us sort out the truth. That we do have value and that we do matter. You know, all of our counselors at the center that I uh, lead are caring, trained women and men who are available to listen without judgment and help others sort through thoughts and feelings and find solutions, even to sometimes seemingly insurmountable problems. 
Yeah, that's great. You know, personally, I think everyone should go through some type of counseling at least once in their life. I really do not believe that there should be any shame whatsoever about getting help. And yet, for some reason, a lot of people think negatively about it. Some people feel like they don't need the help, or if they accept it, it makes them look weak. But God never meant for us to go through life alone. He is there for us, and He puts special people in our life to help us. And counseling is really helpful, and I think it's a great way to help heal and forgive others. And I'm sure, Teresa, you have even seen where sometimes it has helped people forgive themselves if they felt like they have done something that was unforgivable or that they felt shameful for. Absolutely. You know, the Bible reminds us in a number of places to share one another's burdens and offer comfort to others as we've been comforted. Yeah. Teresa, to kick us off, can you share a little bit about what the Bible says about the importance of relationships? Bottom line, we were made for community. John thirteen thirty four tells us to love one another as I have loved you. And Hebrews 10 Encourages, encourages us to consider how to stir up one another to love and to do good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another. Relationships, you know, are intended to help us to carry each other's burdens, Galatians 6, to confess our sins to one another and pray for each other so we may be healed in James. And Romans 12 tells us to care for each other's practical needs and to mourn with each other. But just as we said earlier, Lauren, loneliness is universal. You know, Ecclesiastes even says there's nothing new under the sun. And in chapter 3, there's a time to weep and a time to laugh. So we're going to feel sad sometimes. But you know, it's very disheartening to feel alone and without support or resources. But it can be helpful to know we're not alone in our feelings. Everyone is going to feel lonely or isolated at times. Matthew 5:46 tells us that it rains on the just and the unjust. In other words, everyone is going to experience rainy, cloudy days, and even when it seems chronic, God is not aware or uncaring. Lord, I'd love to share some special verses that have comforted me personally and that I've shared often with my clients and my friends. Yeah, I would love that. Psalm 56:8 is precious to me. It says, you, Lord, keep track of all my sorrows. You've collected all of my tears in your bottle. You've recorded each one in your book. And Isaiah 30, 18 and 19 says, and the Lord earnestly waits. He's expecting, looking and longing to be gracious to you. So he may have mercy on you and show loving kindness to you. He'll surely be gracious to you at the sound of your cry. You know, just like Psalm using the words my, I change that verse around when I'm reading it for myself for comfort, when I'm encouraging others just to read it to yourself. And I encourage those listening to look at Isaiah 30 and read. And the Lord earnestly waits to be gracious to me. So he may have mercy on me and show loving kindness to me. He will surely be gracious to me at the sound of my cry. And finally, in Psalm 18, this is one of my all-time favorites, because it starts off in my distress, seemingly feeling closed in and alone. I cried out to God. He heard my cry into his very ears. And you know, the rest of the chapter tells us that God himself, the creator of the universe, caused the earth to quake and thunder and lightning, and he flew to me because I was in distress. He flew to me to deliver me. 
You know why he did that? He tells me that he did that because he delighted in me. He delights in me. He delights in every listener out there. Wow. I love that. I love that. Thank you for sharing those with us. And you know what it boils down to is there is hope. Our hope is in the promises of God, but sometimes we need others to tell us about his love and care or to remind us because in our loneliness and isolation, we feel hopeless. Yeah. And, you know, I think that that kind of brings us back to having friendships, right? We need others to tell us about his love and care or to remind us. So can you talk specifically about what scripture says about having the right kind of friends? Absolutely. And, you know, um, who has your six is a phrase that's become popular in everyday culture. It simply means who's got your back or who's in your corner has in boxing. Um, you know, that originated as a military term referring to World War One pilots, referencing the pilot's back that he couldn't see as he was looking ahead to pilot the plane. That was a six o'clock position on a clock. And so today it refers to those who support, encourage, and defend us, who always believes the best about us and wants the best for us. Having your six means always telling you the truth, even if it doesn't feel good. Because we trust that person to love us no matter what. And you know, the more of our stuff they know, even the not-so-pretty stuff, the more they appreciate our willingness to be authentic. That's the right kind of friend. So Scripture affirms that in a number of places, especially Proverbs. In chapter 12, uh, we're told the righteous, those who belong to the Lord, choose our friends carefully. Wise people choose friends carefully. Chapter 27 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. We're looking for people who will sharpen us, who will help smooth our rough edges. Uh, Proverbs 18 tells us, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And that that's the person we're looking for. And even in 27 again, better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. You know, people that are just too good to us, just just always only say the, the sweet things, um, they may not be our best friend. Our best friend is going to tell us the truth in love. And Ecclesiastes 4.9 says is a great scripture. Two people are better than one because together they can have a good reward for their hard work. If one falls or feels lonely and isolated, the other can help his friend get up. Thank you for sharing those scriptures with us. Those are really great points. And relationships with others are so important. And so thank you for sharing your insight on that. When I think about my friendships and the relationships I have, I feel incredibly blessed. But sometimes I just want to be alone. Solitude actually refreshes me. And solitude most definitely does not mean being lonely because when I'm by myself, I don't feel lonely. So, Teresa, can you help us understand the difference between being alone and actually being lonely? Of course. Being alone, you know, at times is good for all of us. Solitude offers time to reflect and take pause. And, you know, even when we're alone, the Lord is with us. And we need that time alone with Him. But just being quiet uh, and, and resting alone sometimes helps improve our mental health. It helps us improve our relationships, boosts our creativity, and helps us plan. We all need and benefit from alone time. Loneliness, according to many experts, is not necessarily about even being alone. Loneliness is actually a state of mind. It causes people to feel empty, alone, and unwanted. 
People who are lonely often crave human contact, but our state of mind will make it more difficult to form connections with other people, even if we're around other people. Yeah. You know, nowadays, finding genuine, meaningful connections with others can be challenging and sometimes even more challenging to maintain them. For one, technology provides so many distractions that people truly struggle to listen and engage with those around them. Plus, I think we're just busier than we've ever been before, working full-time jobs and having side hustles and trying to like live up to the unrealistic standards that this world has created for us, right? Exactly. You know, uh, finding genuine, meaningful connections with others really starts with us being a genuine, meaningful connection for the people that connect with us. And part of that is listening, not being distracted, not allowing ourselves to be distracted. Um, You know, Philippians 4 starts out with, don't be anxious about anything. And that word anxious there actually is accurately translated as be distracted. Don't be distracted by anything. So when we're having a conversation, someone is sharing with us, we want to put our phone down. Turn it over, turn it off, and and truly, genuinely lean in and listen. Sharing back with the person what we've heard from them and letting them know that they're sharing with us matters. That person is going to want to be a person who listens to us when it's our turn to share. So just slowing down, choosing to slow down, taking some time off, going for a walk with someone And leaving everything else behind is a great way to uh, connect and actually share our heart with each other. We cannot do that while we're just all running, running, running. Right. That's so true. Um, Staying busy is a huge distraction. And so you're right. Let's talk about social media for a second. (laughs) I feel like this could be a whole episode on its own. But it does play a huge role in most people's lives. I think that there is a difference between being friendly and being a friend. And we might have like 2,000 friends on Facebook or Instagram, but what we really need is actual friendships with people that are deep and consistent and meaningful. Now, Teresa, I'm not a counselor, but as a hairstylist, I see how social media has negatively affected people's lives, starting even at a very young age. We have children as early as elementary school on social media, YouTube, TikTok, and I have even asked kids before what they want to be when they grow up, and their responses are a YouTuber, (laughs) and I've had that response more than once. So obviously, social media not only affects our lives as an adult, but it affects the, the lives of the children that we're around and even sets them up for a fake relational expectation, I guess, if you will. Now, I know this can be a whole episode on its own, but what are your thoughts about social media? You know, often a more apt title might be not so social media because many of the platforms that seem to offer connection actually increase feelings of isolation and loneliness. Many of the friends, our fellow gamers and so on are really strangers to our real lives. We may feel even more isolated and hopeless when we unplug, leading to internet addictions. We may experience jealousy or feeling left out when we see the pictures of friends enjoying a party or outing to which we weren't invited. You know, these platforms are enjoyable ways to keep up with our true friends and family, but they are not a satisfactory substitute for face-to-face relationships. Yeah, you know, I didn't even think about all of the, um, like, addiction part of social media. And, um, yeah, you're right about, like, seeing something on 
Instagram or Facebook and you weren't a part of it. And I, I could see how that could like really hurt someone or make them feel lonely. So I'm wondering if you could share some practical tips or maybe some disciplines anyone can do to start truly connecting with others. And if you can share any tips for overcoming loneliness. You know, one of the things we can do is just be the f- go first. That is difficult to do. Um, but when we're the first person to make an effort to keep in touch with supportive friends, we make that phone call or, or send that text and, and, and try to at least make a connection. Um, even if it's brief, even if it's very brief, we can still, uh, that still is valuable. You know, another thing, as I said earlier, we practice active listening. Anytime we are interacting with our friends, our families, or even people at work over the water cooler or our lunch at the lunch table. One of the things we need to do is identify our own relational and social needs. What aspects of social life do I enjoy? Uh, What parts do I want to improve? Consider joining a small group or organization. You know, really important, helpful ways to connect us is to volunteer in a group situation. If we're not sure, we don't don't think we have a support network, if we go to a shelter and help pet or groom or walk the animals, working with Habitat for Humanity, Family Promise, any other volunteer organizations, feeding the homeless, all of these have something in common. They're all groups of people working together to serve others. They become a community, a family. It's a way for us to make a connection without necessarily having to go into a social environment and try to find our place there. Because as we serve together, it equalizes us. Uh, And that helps us to give back, um, even in small ways. You know, but also, Lauren, joining a faith community is a terrific way to connect. I know it's hard sometimes to visit a new church, for instance, but there are many churches around today, um, certainly influences church, our church, but many others in our communities offer sound biblical teaching, great worship, and opportunities to serve. We serve alongside others on a team, or we join a home fellowship group, we become family with those folks. Teresa, we are so grateful for you, and I just appreciate you doing this with me today. You gave us some really great tips. Guys, let's all make some effort to keep in touch with our friends and family, and I would just like to encourage you to think of a few people that are in your inner circle, the people closest to you that maybe you haven't talked to in a while, and just give them a call or send them a text just to say hello. Let them know that you are thinking of them. You know, last year when the world was like shut down, I was out of work for about six weeks and it was just so nice to hear from people that I hadn't heard from in a while. And likewise, I really enjoyed reaching out to some of my friends and family and even the clients that I was missing from the salon. Sometimes it's just the little things that really do make a big difference. So who can you reach out to today for no reason at all besides to say hi and let them know that you are thinking of them? Well, you guys, there were so many nuggets of wisdom shared today, and we're excited to have Teresa back with us for our next episode. You don't want to miss it because we will be talking about the relational healthy person and the characteristics of unhealthy relationships and plus so much more. Seriously, you don't want to miss it. Thank you so much for joining us today. We can't wait to meet with you here again at First the Main, your avenue to living well.